Principal Matters Podcast, episode 287. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about chasing the show with my guest, Pete Hall, veteran school administrator and education consultant. Pete Hall channels his experiences as a school principal, life coach, and small business owner into manageable lessons for continuous growth, personal improvement, and a positive mindset. Pete has served 12 years as a principal in three schools, each earning awards for academic performance, growth, and student achievement. And currently, he works as an education consultant through two firms, Education Hall and Strive Success Solutions. He trains educators worldwide with a focus on the continuous improvement of our education system. He has authored over 20 articles on leadership and 11 books, including Lead On, Motivational Lessons for School Leaders, Fostering Resilient Learners with Kristen Sowers, and Teach, Reflect, Learn with Alyssa Simmerall. His latest book, Chasing the Show, is a young adult novel. Pete Hall, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. Why don't you fill in the gaps on that intro and tell listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here and uh, excited to be a part of your podcast. As far as filling in the blanks, um, you know I wrote that bio, so there's a lot of uh, good content in there. Um, Something that people might not know about me. Uh, I don't know if you might not know this about me, that uh, you're talking to the Montana Senior Games State Long Jump Champion. So I am currently the the longest long jumper of the old people in the state of Montana. So you hold the record? Well, I don't hold the record, but I'm the current I'm the current state champion, the reigning okay, current state yes. champion. So, and what the was the distance? Senior games, senior games, 15 feet, three inches, which to put it into perspective is like jumping on a basketball court from the free throw line to out of bounds. Do but, you go Pete Hall. Yeah. About that. Right. So actually um, be competing for the, uh, the national title in Fort Lauderdale in a couple months. So I'm kind of excited about that. And he, you know, the funny thing about that is that's not something that I was ever really interested. In. I was always interested in athletic stuff and jumping and, that kind of stuff. But I think it's yeah, important so that we keep a light at the end of the tunnel. So I do too. And I want you to tell listeners what you were wearing when you made that long jump championship. <laughs> what was I wearing? I was wearing uh, probably a bunch of knee braces, some ankle braces, a helmet, shoulder pads. <laughs> you know, you, you hit a certain age and you can't do some of the things that you used to be able to do physically. But I think it's important that we keep a light at the end of the tunnel, keep something that we're striving towards so that we continue to have a, a goal when we're working out, trying to stay healthy, trying to move forward, always looking forward as opposed to looking backwards. So that's kind oh, of the, I love that. That's the excitement. That's something that's not in the bio. Yeah. Well, in my mind, the image is Pete Hall with a cape on, like you're flying like Superman. I didn't picture the helmet and the knee pads, but, I, I, but I'm, <laughs> I I'm with you. That. <laughs> well, Pete, before um, we jump into talking about the content of your books, first of all, I just want to say what an honor it is to have you. As a guest on Principal Matters Podcast, my listeners have heard me talk about your content before. And for those who I may have uh, done some workshops or trainings, I will sometimes bring Pete Hall into that conversation. So thank you, Pete, for all the content, the resources that you provided for all these years. I wanted to ask you this question, though, before we talk about some of the specific work you're doing, including your new book. 
how has your work today been influenced by all the past years that you've had in teaching and school leadership? Because you're doing a lot of new things outside of schools, inside of schools, but how has your past work set you up for what you're doing now? You know, it's all kind of led to this place and it's, it's, you know, our journeys are unique and they're really interesting. And one of the things that I have found is that as, as travelers in the journey, no matter what our role is, whether we're in education, whether we're in business, whether we're talking about family, whether we're talking about your personal life, your passions, your interests, your long jumping in capes, whatever it might be. If there's, if there's something that you want to get better at, there's a, there's a method to the madness. There's a, there's a way to improve your abilities. There's a way to augment your skills. And that's, that's the piece that I think that I have taken from my world in education and my, my experiences as a teacher and as an administrator to first it was kids. How do we help kids see that there's a way to get better and to improve and to, and to move forward. And then it was into growing up. How do we help our teachers? How do we help staff? How do we help parents? How do we, and then it kind of just turned into, well, how do we help ourselves? Because as educators, we spend so much of our energy on other people. We also have to tend to, well, am I moving forward? Am I improving my lot in life? Am I, am I making the world a better place? Those are the kind of questions we start asking. And it's kind of neat to see how that journey has taken me through all the different ebbs and flows of this, that, and the other back. It's almost back now to, well, okay, the next generation, what are we doing to support the next generation of kids? It's really quite interesting. Yeah. Well, it makes me excited to talk about your new book, which we will get there, but I just, what I love about those thoughts is that it brings you full circle because in every situation that you're in, whether it's a classroom, whether it's with teacher training, whether it's community building or whether it's ourselves, it's that same cycle. And that's what I've appreciated about your work, Pete, is that you keep coming back to that cycle of how do I get better? And better only happens with intention. I don't think it happens haphazardly. And that's something else I appreciate about you. And I know I'm not trying to portray Pete Hall as perfect because none of us are. Yeah, uh, so no. we'll just go ahead and we'll just go ahead and dissuade that that idea on the front end. But I will say this that you have often reminded educators about the importance of reflection in the way that they become better. And, and your book with Alyssa Semerall, uh, Teach, Reflect, and Learn, which I've used often when I'm working with educators to as a, as a resource for how we should be modeling the learning that we want to see happening in our schools. How have you seen that commitment to reflection, curiosity, influence you um, as, as an educator and as a lifelong learner? Oh man, it has had a profound impact on me personally and professionally. Um, and actually, Elisa and I have written five books together. Uh, Teach, Reflect, Learn is the, the first one that we wrote for teachers. And then it, the follow-up that we wrote and published through McRell is called Pursuing Greatness. Um, and then three books for instructional coaches and leaders. Um, and I tell you, you know, the, that pattern of thinking, that reflective cycle, that idea of um, building awareness and then thinking intentionally and taking intentional steps to try to accomplish a specific goal, and then intentionally looking at the outcomes and trying to draw that cause and effect connection between what you did and what you've gotten allows you to then make the modifications and tweaks to improve your practice. And what I have found in my journeys is that we don't think that way by default. That's not the way our brains orient themselves. We What we tend to do is we, we get, you know, uh, our our attention gets captivated by the shiny thing 
over here. And that distracts us from what we're really trying to do. And like you said before, we don't get better by happenstance. It's not accidental. Improvement and growth really comes from intentional thought and intentional actions. You know, that whole ex that expression, you've heard this before, uh, we learn from experience. That's not true. We learn from reflecting on experience. And if we're willing to put in the mental time to figure out what's working, what's not working, what am I really trying to accomplish? How can I do this more efficiently, more effectively? If we're willing to put in the time to reflect on that, then we're much more likely to get better at things. So I would love to, to sit here with you, Will, and say that that's, that's the way people reflect and that's the way it works. It's, it only happens that way when we decide that that's the way we're going to think about something and reflect on something. So I, so that, you know, that's kind of been my mission for the last 20 years is teaching that to folks to help people see and ask them what, what's really important to you and how can you then orient your reflections and your thoughts around that idea, that goal. Well, and that's so important. And so one of the applications that I've made with that, Pete, when I'm working with educators is just asking them some of those probing questions that they often don't take time to slow down and ask themselves, which is what am I, what have I just been going through? And what lessons am I learning from it? And where can I improve? Because that's the basic questions that every teacher should ask themselves when they're teaching lessons. And leaders should be asking themselves that question too. Um, and parents I'm refer be asking Go ahead. Because I know you had a follow-up thought on that. So parents should be asking themselves that question. If you drive a taxi, you should be asking yourself those questions. If you're mowing the lawn and you want to, you know, if you're feeding your fish, whatever it is you're working on, that those are exactly the questions we should be asking ourselves if the outcome actually matters to us. This past week, I was listening to, and Principal Matters listeners know I like to drop in whatever resources that I've been chewing on recently, but I was listening to um, This American Life, which is a, a podcast that's popular, and this week's episode was called This American, uh, this week's episode was called Schools Out Forever, and it was one of their reporters had decided to follow around a couple of kids, one from Chicago, one from the Los Angeles area, who had literally been out of school almost the entire time the pandemic was happening. And it was, as an educator, it was just great to hear the light, the stories of students during the pandemic through the eyes of the students, because I've spent a lot of time talking to teachers and principals about the pandemic or fellow parents, but I haven't spent a lot of time talking to the kids about, because you know, and I know that some schools have stayed connected. Some schools have been in, some schools have more resources, some kids and parents have more resources. But according to this uh, latest podcast, there have been approximately 3 million U.S. students who went missing in communities across the nation that are just now some of them showing back up wherever they went, whether they moved demographically or just disappeared within their own city, et cetera. And so, Pete, I'm feeling like we're, we're I, and I hate to say this because every time it seems like we're emerging from the pandemic, we're not. But I yeah. feel like right now it, on March, in the middle of March, when you and I were recording this, that we are emerging from this pandemic. And I'm seeing so many more schools now that are finally returning to some sense of normalcy. And so I wanted to pause here with you because I know that reflection is something you've taught me. But as you think about reflecting on these experiences, what concerns or advice would you have for educators or, or leaders who are emerging from leading through a pandemic to what might be next? I think that um, you hit on two things, um, or it made me think of two things. One that you hit on is the idea of getting student voice. And it's it's nice to get student voice in this moment in time where we've got, you know, a lot of a lot of strife and a lot of trouble and a lot of 
uh, struggle in our schools. It's good to get her. That doesn't change. I mean, we've always been really either reluctant or reticent or slow at getting student voice to accompany our conversations about school improvement and the school schooling situation. I think that's something worth investigating is how do we get student voice and our community's voice more, more active in our schools? That's one. And two is, I mean, you know, the whole idea in the term of learning loss came up. And of course, as educator, educators, we bristled at that term, you know, learning loss, and we're just focusing on the negative and what we don't have. The, and then as, we've, as we started to kind of come back into school and try to re-up our focus on, on schooling, we have, we, we, I think our, our focus has been misguided. We've been trying to eradicate learning loss. That's what I've been hearing lately is how do you eradicate learning loss? And the idea is that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to improve learning. We're trying to increase learning, which is fundamentally the same thing we've always been doing in education. So instead of having this kind of death star mentality of it, that, gosh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And we're way behind and kids are way behind. And how are we ever going to catch them up? That's it. Turn that back around to say, hey, this is where kids are. How do we move them forward? And I think that's that's the shift in our lens that's going to take us to a, a better place because otherwise we are just going to be focusing on what we don't have. We're going to be focusing on the deficits. We're going to be focusing on how sad it is as opposed to saying, hey, we have amazing, incredible kids in front of us. Let's move them forward. Let's take them from wherever they are. Let's teach them the skills they need. Let's give them the opportunities and, and see where that goes. I think it, it's a matter of shifting our perspective more than anything else that allows us to be successful moving forward. I agree. And what I like about that is the mindset involved, the growth mindset involved in that versus the deficit mindset involved in that, but also just the importance of, of focusing on where we want to grow from this. I, you're reminding me of a principal friend of mine in Oceanside, California, Samantha Bartram, uh, who's a listener, um, who I remember at the, in the throes of the pandemic, she began to pull kids in and just video them for feedback on how is this affecting you? She would take those and share them with her school board just so that they could hear directly from students, not just from teachers and principals, but from the kids. This is, these are the things going on in my community, in my home, in my school. And so, but there's a, there's another group that I think about too. Um, and I'm just saying this for the benefit of our listeners because it's been something on my heart uh, this last week too, is that a lot of our parent and community members have been excluded from our buildings and from our communities because of whatever safety protocols, uh, you know, in some places more than others, some places less than others. Some places are still doing sports, but maybe they're not letting them in for instruction. You never know from place to place. But my heart lately has just been really burdened with the idea that if we have got to re-engage our communities with our schools because the less time that they're with us, um, the more they're going to imagine the things happening there and not have the uh, uh, an investment, an emotional attachment and investment in what's happening with their kids. And I'm seeing so much in politics right now of pushing people, polarizing people, schools against communities or communities against schools. And I'm like, there's only one solution to that is that is to pull the community back into the school so that we are together reflecting on what do we learn and where can we go from here? So I didn't mean to go there, Pete, but any thoughts you want to add to that before I ask my next question? Oh, man, you know what? The fact that you went there is perfectly fine because I think that's real. And I think one of the things that we have opted, I don't know if we opted away from this, is remembering why we have schools in the first place. And schools are not this institution unto themselves. They're part of the very fabric of our communities. And so 
the idea of bringing communities back into the schools is almost like, of course, <laughs> of course we should. Yeah, the communication between all members of the community should include the schools and should include parents and business members and other members of the community, even those who don't have children. And, and talk through the purpose of why we even do that. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to take the young, the young people in our communities and raise them and develop them and teach them and nurture them so that they'll become functioning members in our society. They're going to be changing our oil. They're going to be changing the valves in our heart. I mean, we want them to be awesome, incredible grownups. That's, that's not just a school responsibility. And that's also not just a community responsibility. That's all of ours shared. So I'm with you. I'm with you about getting those voices back in there and, and sitting at the table together. Well, one of the things that I'm excited about in your work, Pete, is how you've in some ways come full circle in the work that you've done in teaching young adults, in training teachers, in school leadership development, in becoming a, a resource for schools to enhance their own teaching ability. And now with this newest book of yours, Chasing the Show, uh, which thank you so much for that advanced copy that you sent my way. And I've, and I will, in full disclosure, I've not been able to read the entire book yet, but as I've just gotten started, I'm so excited because this is, a, this is a piece of fiction, but it's fiction written from the perspective of a kid. And so talk, talk with us just a little bit about, about what inspired you to write this book and, and what do you hope others are going to gain from you sharing this treasure with readers? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to reading it and giving me some feedback and hopefully you'll be dazzled as you read it. Um, the, the big idea is it's the story of a, of a teenage kid who thinks he's going to be a professional athlete. And it kind of follows the rises and falls of that dream over time. And because I am a capacity builder, because I'm a principal, I'm a former educator, I can't just write a story. I couldn't just write, you know, here's a story. Let me just, and let me just spin a yarn for y'all. It's a story that has lessons built into it. So I am, and I wrote this in the foreword. I, I really want it to be a helpful book, not just an entertaining book. And that's, if people read it for entertainment, great. I also want it to be helpful. I want it to be something that kids and their teachers, kids and their parents, kids and their coaches, kids and their counselors are able to talk about a little bit. Talk about the main character in his journey. Talk about how the the teachers interact with the kid. Talk about how the parents are supportive or not supportive of this dream. Uh, talk about the 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 ever presence of the the plan B, the contingency plan, right? So I tried to weave into it a positive, productive narrative, so that parents who are reading it say, "Oh, this is a way that I could approach a conversation like this with my kid." That teachers who read it could say, "Oh, this is something that maybe I could do with a student that I've got." That's, Coaches could say the same thing. I think one of the things that we've found, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it happens to be the background of the story is about sports. In particular, it's about baseball. It's not really a baseball book. And it's not even really a sports book. It's a book about growing up. It's a book about how we manage simultaneously the pursuit of a passion, whatever that passion is, with kind of that idea of, well, what happens if that passion doesn't work out? What happens if I, if I need to go to a plan B? Do I have that ready? Am I okay with that? Are there people supporting the passion and nurturing the plan B? So it's, it's got all that woven into it in what I think is an entertaining story. Um, and we built a website for it. There's free online discussion guides. There's a discussion guide for, 
for kids, for the young adult reader. It's also, there's a discussion guide for the grownups, for the not so young adult reader. So there are resources there for folks that we built into it. And that, I mean, that was really the, the impetus behind it was to share opportunities to have these discussions with our young people. And I think that's, that's a thing that I don't think we do really well. I don't think we really have good conversations with our young adults about what they're passionate about and how that's valid and how that's beautiful and how that's wonderful. And that might not be the only thing that's going to take you from here all the way down your road. So that was in a nutshell, that's kind of what we're, we're going for. And it's been, oh my gosh, what a journey. It's been so fabulous uh, writing it. I'm doing the audiobook version right now, which is another challenge altogether. And it's, it's just been something I've absolutely been in love with. Well, congratulations, Pete. And you're right. I think you're, I think any listener who wants to pick up that book is going to find it endearing because the narrative is, is captivating. Um, But I also love it that you've built in already resources for anyone who wants to take that book and, and take the extra step, whether it's a coach or a teacher or a parent or a community member, because with those discussion guides, and I've looked at those too, um, you could use it as a classroom resource. If I was still an English teacher, man, I would be all over it. And, uh, or you can use it as an adult who wants to have some better ideas of ways that you might be able to leverage a book like this with a young adult for some of those deeper conversations. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that you noticed that, that, um, once a teacher, always a teacher, right? So there's, there's that element of it. And I intentionally did not write lesson plans to go with it. I stopped there, like with the discussion guides, I figured I wanted it to feel more like kind of book club. So we have, I mean, we have. English teachers all across the country that are reading it with their classes. We've got volleyball coaches and football coaches that are reading it with their teams. It's kind of a neat way to bring people together around certain ideas. And honestly, there are times that I get an email from a kid or a teacher that's uh, giving me some feedback saying, what the world was wrong with this kid, the main character in the story? Why would he do that? Why would he say stuff like that? I'm like, that's exactly the point. That's what I want y'all to talk about. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's been enjoyable. I appreciate that. So my follow-up question to that would be, and whether or not you want to share this, Pete, what, what parts of that book are you willing to admit are autobiographical? <laughs> that's, that's a funny thing because, you know, I wrote in the foreword that it's semi-autobiographical. So it's based loosely on some events from my own life. And, and you know, I learned from Stephen King long ago that uh, he wrote a book called On Writing, that you write about what you know. Right. Which makes me wonder about some of the, you know, uh, the books out there about the zombies and stuff. I mean, how do you, how could you possibly know about that? To, anyway, um, so there are things that are semi autobiographical. There are things that are autobiographical. And it's fun to talk to my mom and my brother because they're like, hey, uh, did this actually happen? I'd be like, I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. And, you know, that's not even the point, really. The point is, you know, how do we feel about, moving forward, how would we feel? What kind of conversations do we have about that? What can we learn from this character's experience? And uh, it's just, it makes for fun holiday vacations to talk through that, if nothing else, you know? And another thing that I did that authors get to do this, uh, we get to throw in our own Easter eggs. You know, when we're writing something, we we can add a, a, a character's name, or we can add a description, or we can add a, a special food or, a, you know, location, things like that, that maybe only my wife and I know about. And so it's our private little, we giggle when, when we read that, or maybe it's something special with my kids that's thrown in there or something. So there are a handful of things like that, that we've woven into it too, that just, 
it just adds some flavor and adds some some fun for me that when when we talk about it, you know, I can I can maybe share some of those. Well, the book is Chasing the Show by Pete Hall, a young adult novel. And Pete, as we wrap up today, I wanted to circle back and because I'm just curious, I, I admire your work and um, I, I admire you as a person, but also as a professional. So I'm just curious, you know, as you've written this book, I feel like you've, I said this earlier, but I feel like you've come full circle in the work that you've started off as a teacher and you've come back full circle now with the resource that's so great for classrooms. What do you hope to see on on the horizon next in your journey or, or are you just writing where you are now? I'm just curious what's what's coming up next. Well, thanks, Will, and, and thanks for the compliments. I do b- believe it, it feels like talking to kindred spirit when I talk to you. And so we've known each other for a long time. And I, I love being able to chat with you about this, that, and the other, if it has to do with education or making the world a better place. Um, as far as what's next, I'm currently working on a project. Uh, it's a book that's called Always Strive to Be a Better You, How Ordinary People Can Live Extraordinary Lives. And it is, it fits more in the social psychology slash self-help slash goals for life um, kind of genre. And what I'm, what I'm doing there is I'm profiling seven people and the, the, lesson, the life lessons that they share. And it's seven regular, ordinary people who by all means live a, in Plato's words, a, a happy, good, virtuous life. And gosh, that's, that's within all our reach. So it's another project that I'm madly in love with. Uh, I've been working on this for several years now, and I'm super, super excited. We're finally getting to the finish line. Um, and as far as I like to be in the moment, to answer your question, I like to be in the moment. And I always have at least one eye looking forward at, well, what's next? What's what's coming up down the road? What's What other ways can I do something to help make the journey more palatable or more successful for others? And that's that's kind of what drives me is is doing something like that. So my wife tells me, Pete, when we go on vacation, um, can you please leave your computer at home? Just let us go on vacation and not. So I've learned to do that. Um, other than that, though, I've, I've usually got something that keeps my legs and brain churning the whole time. I'm not surprised because I have that same <laughs> problem. Whenever vacation to me is permission to journal and plan and dream. And That's what I'm saying. Kindred yeah. spirits, brother. So... Principal Matters listeners, I want you to stay connected with Pete Hall because I know that you're um, resonating with so much of what he's saying today. And I also know that, Pete, when you come up with that new book um, on uh, becoming a better you, you, I want you back on the show because I would love to, to share uh, yeah, that sure. content and, and some of those lessons that you're going to be sharing with, with readers there. But how can listeners stay connected with your work and what's a parting thought or word that you'd like to share with listeners as we wrap up today's conversation? Uh, well, if you're interested in uh, in the book, chasingtheshow.com is where we have our website. Just for fun, you might like to poke around at this. If you want to fill in the blanks on my uh, resumes, um, I do a two truths and a lie about the author. So that's on the website too. And you can find out the answer to that. That's kind of fun. Um, and if uh, you're interested in, in my work and what I've been up to and where I'm going, uh, educationhall.com is the website for the, uh, the education work that I do. Um, if there's one word that I would leave you with, it would probably be strive. And strive is that idea of always working and moving forward, right? No matter where you are 
every step is a step forward. And even if you're taking a step backward, if you're willing to learn and reflect about that step and that experience and what got you there, it can be a step forward. And uh, Strive has been kind of that big idea that's always propelled me. Uh, this idea, always strive to be a better you. The title of that new book that's coming out, by the way, is a life philosophy that I follow. And that's something that first came to me. I don't remember exactly when, but it was I was in college. And I remember looking through an old notebook one day, because like you said, you go on vacation and journal. I journaled for years and years. And in one page in one of my journals, I wrote the phrase, always strive to be a better you for the first time. And it was, well, how many years ago was that? <laughs> 30, 30 some years ago, but way before I was eligible for the senior games. Uh, but I've, I mean, I've had that uh, keep driving me forward all along. So I just encourage folks to strive, strive on, strive forward, strive towards something, no matter what it is. Well, Pete Hall, thank you so much for the time you've taken today to share with Principal Matters listeners. And Principal Matters listeners, I just want to point you back to Pete's resources at educationhall.com, where you can find his books, his resources. You can invite him to connect with you and learning in your schools. You can check out his new book, Chasing the Show. Pete, thank you so much for the opportunity. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for taking time to listen, because what you do matters. And we'll talk to you again next week. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.